All right, Eric, let's get into the next part of the book. And I really like this where he talks about motivation, motion, and action. And he kind of has an interesting way to differentiate all three of those. Starting off in chapter five, he talks about specificity, which... I think is awesome because we actually talked about this in an episode. He talks about how it's important to make a specific plan for the things that you want to do. And one of our first episodes, episodes three, I actually have a whole blog post about it. I talked about, okay, look, let's say you have a plan for something you want to do, add it to your calendar, make it into a new habit. Like we actually, (laughs) I actually talked about this and I actually practiced this and it was really good to see him talk about that in chapter five. Yeah. And I think that Our other episode about breaking down big projects also relates to this. The idea is that you can't just have an idea of what you want to do and have it be this big nebulous thing, even if it's just a transformation in your own life. You have to actually take a step back and actually start whittling it down and find those like very small, specific, actionable things that you can start doing. And those can become your habits. Yeah, I think this goes kind of back to identity, but like people will say that they want to be healthier, right? Or they want to exercise more, but they don't add it to their calendar. Like this is something I do. I add it to the calendar. Now, like today, I I still exercise. I didn't exercise at the exact time I had it in my calendar, but I, I'd made time for it. And it's like, I visualize that section of time in my day as being, I'm going to work out. It's almost like there's the kind of person who says they want something, but then they don't really want that. I think he's going to talk about that later in the book and we'll get into that a little bit more. But like sometimes I think people say that they want to do something, but they actually don't. And they maybe just want the result of that, so to speak. Right. Or maybe they don't have the language or haven't thought through what they actually want. And so they just have a handful of sentences that connect with an idea in their mind that They just haven't fully processed yet. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, they don't know what they don't know. Like it goes back to that. They don't know what a healthy person actually does or a successful person does. I really like that you tied this back to the identity shift as well, because I think being specific with your habits also applies to being specific with your identity. And I want to point out two things there. One is that um, the author does address that identities can shift, obviously, since... Um, the author is offering using habits as a way to uh, like enforce new identities. And then the other thing is that certain words can be really ambiguous. Like you can't just call yourself a healthy person and then expect that you will start doing healthy things because what does healthy even mean? However, in the examples that we were talking about, if you say that you don't eat lunch at restaurants, I don't smoke, I am a vegetarian. Those are things where at any given moment, you can ask a yes or no question to decide whether that fits in with your idea of your identity. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I think identity is such a big part of our puzzle. The follow up is about motivation and chapter title was motivation is overrated. Environment often matters more. This is another chapter where I was really hanging on every word. So I really loved that he said that motivation is overrated because no matter whether you are trying to look at something as whether you're doing it for intrinsic or extrinsic motivating factors, at the time that you do them, you're probably not consciously thinking about your motivation. So Uh, This is a way for the author to reinforce that you need to set up other systems around you 
to encourage habits with your motivation in mind so that you don't have to actually worry about aligning your motivation at every single thing that you do. So the inversion of that is a way to kick out bad habits. It's kind of the opposite of making something obvious, hiding it. I think the author called it environment design. Is mm-hmm. that right? Does yes. that ring a bell? Okay. Yes. No, it's about designing your environment so that way it's conducive to good good habits and not, you know, it's not good for bad habits essentially. Yeah, so design your environment, put the good things that encourage your habits around you and use whatever the motivators are to come up with those environmental changes. So if you have a major, major sweet tooth and you know that you have a a craving right there, then try and think about like what your motivation is for, for eating those sweets. Like what is it satisfying? And that can tell you like what you need to kick out of your house so that that bad habit is no longer available to you. And thinking about what your motivation for eating those sweets is might give you an idea of what you can replace it with as an alternative that better aligns with the habits that you want to develop. But I talked about like the iPhone, how I have an iPhone, I have a switch and I have a Kindle and it's all about like, I don't have any games on my iPhone. Yeah. That was the time wasters episode. Thank you. Okay. You're so good at that. The iPhone is for communication and productivity. The Kindle is for reading and the Switch is for playing video games. And it's like super important to me. Like, yeah, I could read a book on the iPhone, but it's just so difficult not to be distracted by stuff on the iPhone. And I don't have games on the iPhone. I have games on my Switch or my DS. And then if I want to play games, I play games on those devices instead. And it's like those environments are set up for what their purpose is. And the Kindle is more conducive for reading and the iPhone is more conducive for productivity and not being distracted by games and hopefully notifications. You recently did something with your iPhone where you tried to make it like black and white? Yeah, I just started doing that just to uh, try it out. I don't have a whole lot to share about it just yet, except it, from the point of making it satisfying it or making it attractive, it is not very attractive looking at my phone when it's in black and white mode. Yeah. So one thing I did is I had an old iPhone, like an iPhone 4S, because you could still get text messages and some stuff on it and what i did is i made that like black and white low contrast and i made that into like an only like a device that essentially would reduce like everything that would make me not productive from it and i could carry that around the house essentially because i still am connected to wi-fi and probably be able to do like phone calls and text messaging from it because it's still connected to the network that is another way of like making a device useful for only the few purposes that it's useful for. So the portion that we're talking about now, we introduced the stages of a habit, that habit loop, cue craving, response reward, make it obvious, attractive, easy, satisfying, and then the opposites of all of those. A lot of the middle chapters are deeper dives into how to do all of those things. And I think I'd rather, instead of getting into the specifics of all of those, uh, jump to the part in the book where the author starts talking about how to find and fix bad habits. And so what I liked about this is 
this is what gave me the idea. I really want to actually go through the exercise of listing my habits and marking them as bad, good, or neutral, and then seeing if we can get uh, listeners or it can be just you and I or maybe other people in our lives to actually try and find and fix a bad habit and report back on it after some amount of time. This portion of the book was specifically about bad habits, and that gave me the idea of trying to take a look at my life and pick something bad that in my mind has been like something I'm very aware that I'm doing, but haven't been able to kick and see if I can apply the concepts from this book to make progress on it for you know, the first time in my life. This At this part of the book, which it's more than halfway through the book, I'm not even done with the book. And I want to close the book and I want to pick out something bad in my life and I want to shut it down. Yeah, okay. Using this to just point out, like, I do want to go through this exercise. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. What, what it's made me done is I, I've known people who've read this book and are big fans of it and they use an app called Streaks. Uh, have you heard of this app before? Okay, I'll send it to you. No, I haven't. But essentially, it is an app specifically all about tracking habits. I have had it for quite a while. It won some awards at Apple like a couple of WWDCs ago. I thought it was okay, but but he talks about how important it is to track habits. Which chapter is that? Do you remember? 16. So he talks about how important it is to track habits. And so I am now much more active at using that app and tracking my habits. Like yesterday, I'd spent all day pretty much working nonstop. I, I, I've missed maybe like three or four days in the last two months. Like I've been pretty much going to the gym every day. And yesterday was another day where I was just so busy with work and trying to get things done because I'm leaving for a conference next week. That really bummed me out that I had this like perfect streak in streaks. I pretty much have to start from scratch today working out this morning. It's made me more active using that app and actually tracking the good habits I'm trying to do. Yeah, that's a really awesome story. It reminds me of something the author mentions about trying to stick to a habit. You can use uh, habit tracking, like write it down or do something like that, and then make that part easy. Don't spend a lot of time tracking your habits. But then also, if you miss a day, that's okay. Yes. Uh, but try not to miss it two days or two times in a row if it's not daily. All of this conversation makes me realize that I've been doing the same sort of thing with um, like my exercise, my fitness routines. So I don't do like, I do something for my body every day, but it's, it's a little bit different, but I make sure to do something every day and I take note of it in some way so that I can keep it going because I found that it's a lot harder for me to try and do something like two days a week or three days a week and have days off. But it's a lot easier for me to stretch one day and then do strength training the next day and then do some cardio the next day and then start that process over so that I have something every single day and then just make a note that I did something. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's what I love about this app is you can do stuff like, oh, I only want to do this three times a week or like I only want to do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Like you can set all that stuff up and it's really rewarding. Like obviously I have the Apple Watch, so some of that stuff is automatically tracked, but still it's really great to like visualize that whether it's on paper or whether it's in an app the stuff that you've done and the habits you've been able to keep up and the idea of that repetition is also going back to the melting ice day to day it may not seem very rewarding and sometimes it can even be grueling but just do the best you can i think that's something 
else the author encourages is that even if you have a habit and you're just like not up to the task, try and do something. Yes. And even if you do it terribly, at least you're not breaking yourself of the habit and then potentially undoing tons and tons of work. Yeah, that was exactly the way I felt this morning was just even though I'm not going to do every exercise, I'm at least going to go to the gym and go on the elliptical for half an hour and call it good because something is better than nothing. I mean, he talks about that and about like never going backwards, like at least you're building on top of what you already have, whereas opposed to like skipping a day is just going to be so detrimental to those small steps that you've been making. One of the things I wanted to talk about was I like the way he visualizes like dealing with bad habits. I think that's another important point is like, let's say you have like the craving for uh, I know I've done this earlier in my life. Like, let's say you've had a craving for like food, like maybe that might be for junk food. Like maybe that might be a good time to go outside and go for a run. And like running is a healthier habit to dealing with stress as opposed to like doing, you know, eating junk food or smoking or whatever else it might be. I think that's a good illustration is like trying to find healthy outlets for that stress as opposed to the bad habits that you already are taking on. So one thing I wanted to talk about was the law of least effort. So one of the things I practice, like let's just going back to uh, going to the gym is the idea of I always have a bag of clothes to change into or I always have my workout clothes available to me and I always go to the gym that's on the way to where my destination is. And rather than making it out of the way and more difficult, this is going back to uh, make it easy which is part of uh, the response, is that you want to make sure that you make those good habits easy and that they pile on top of each other. So that like going to the gym also means that you're going to work out, which also means that after you go to the gym, you're going to read a book and like so on and so forth. And he does a really good job explaining that good habit. Can I add that also a lot of the stuff is going to be different from person to person. That might just seem like common sense. However, you go to a gym and I found that what is applying the law of least effort for me is using a home gym, doing body weight exercises and doing the stretching in my home has been a lot better at getting me to stick with a fitness routine than trying to go to a gym or like a yoga studio. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is it's different for everybody. And then for, you know, 99% of people who go to work, you know, if your workplace has a gym nearby, like that makes sense to them is like right after work or during my lunch hour, I'm going to go to the gym and work out. And I think that's a really good point that you made there. And then another thing that I thought of with that law of least effort is that sometimes we don't always have the flexibility to go with what in our minds would be the least effort. And an example that I came up with is uh, studying. So if you're a student, then your free time might be severely limited during the day because you're in class, you're working. And so you might not have the opportunity to study at what would be an ideal time. And so at the end of the day, it may require a lot of effort to actually force yourself to sit down and study. I think that least effort kind of applies here in some ways because it's probably going to require more effort to adjust your whole schedule so that you can study at a time that you're more awake 
or aware and able to actually take in the information a little bit better. But then there are other ways to think about it as well. So you can divvy up your time across days or maybe break up the what you're studying into smaller pieces. Think of other things that make your goal easier, or at least like you don't have to put as much effort into it. That's a really good point. And then it's not just about less effort, but it's also about having some motivation, something you already like to do tied to that good habit that you're trying to have. So for instance, when I work out, like let's say I'm doing something on, on a treadmill or elliptical or something like that or stair stepper i'll either have a good like youtube video to watch or maybe in the case of when i work out at home i have like a little stair stepper i'll be playing on the switch at the same time so like i'm tying the temptation or the the cravings that i might have that are rewarding to a good habit that i'm doing and i think that's that's been really helpful to me is it gives it something to look forward to there's uh one chapter that i i took i tried to take some notes across as many of the chapters as I could because I got a lot of useful information and there were some things that I wanted to go back and remind myself of. There's one spot that I want to call out at this point and this ties back to the extrinsic motivation versus intrinsic motivation and it relates to creating behavior change. The author presents it as making the good stuff, like the good habits that you want to form, feel great right away. And making the bad stuff, not necessarily physically painful, but feel bad in some way. And again, make it feel that way right away. Almost by default, that sounds to me like a way to link extrinsic motivation, that immediate reward of your habits to the intrinsic motivation, which is your goal or like the identity shift that you want to make. Yeah. So I I love that idea. Yeah. So like my thing is... My quick reward would be like, I want to play video games or I want to sit around and watch YouTube. I, I tie that to my I- identity of being more fitness aligned to so that, you know, those good rewards are tied to me going f- for a run or working out of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I love that connection between external motivators and internal motivators. Yes. Um, I think that is a fantastic way to achieve changes in our lives. Before we close out, I wanted to talk about the, um, a couple chapters in the book about the drawbacks of good habits. Oh, yeah. So the the idea there is that if you get good habits going in your life, that will help you develop a skill and increase your odds of maintaining habits to pursue a goal. But like if you're developing skills with those habits, it won't get you to mastery. It's going to get you to good enough which is part of the point of our podcast and maybe like something that we really like about this. However, the author does address good habits will only get you so far. And here's how you need to actually put a little bit more like non-habit, like conscious effort into reaching mastery. Um, So the idea of that actually is very, very similar to our recent reflection and review of our years episode, where you actually take a critical look at everything that you've been doing and reflect on it and see how you've been growing, what changes you need to make and 
brainstorm with like ideas of how you can do better and what other bad habits you may have developed along the way that may not be noticeable day to day. Taking the time to like stop, look back and reflect on how your habits have been going and adjust them is also an important part of growing by using habits. I think it's a really good point. Like, yeah, because he talks about make sure you're tracking the right thing and then making sure to have that reflection and review your habits as you continue to grow. Because I think a lot of people, they just keep sticking to those habits over and over again and don't, don't realize the repercussions of that. Yeah, true. Actually, and I didn't tie this back to the identity portion, but it comes up again. Developing habits and then sticking with them without any kind of reflection can cause identity shifts and your idea of what you want your identity to be may not necessarily be what your identity winds up being in a year or two after applying these habits. So the author also says, don't cling to your identity and try and reframe your identity in a way that it can be easily changed because identities can change and they will. And that's something that if you're going to be reevaluating your habits and reaching mastery on skills, and growing yourself, you're going to be evolving your identity along the way. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Anything you want to say before we close out? Uh, No, I am ready to close out. (laughs) Yeah, I really recommend this book and I look forward to probably we're going to end up talking about this stuff again. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I can already see myself just even if I'm not talking about it in these episodes, thinking back on some of the lessons that I picked up and probably uh, re-listening to that audiobook over and over again. Yeah. He does a really good job narrating it, by the way. So I recommend the audiobook if you're interested. Yeah, me too. And get the supplemental material too, especially if you're in uh, business or parenting. Yes. Or if you're a parent. And maybe we'll talk about those at a later point as well. Yeah. Cool, Eric. Well, it's good talking to you. And yeah. uh, I look forward to talking about this stuff again. Yeah, same here. <laughs>